Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. More than, more than just friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, who can uh, walk through this kingdom journey with us. Uh, I'm just praying for anyone in this room who feels alone in any way that you would come by the power of your Holy Spirit and you would bring friends, you would bring fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you would bring uh, just your spirit upon them to where they would know without the shadow of anything (laughs) that your kingdom is a place where alone isn't isn't an option anymore and so we thank you for uh, the people who come alongside of us that the people who have who have drug us up out of the mud when we fell on our faces <laughs> and we pray that we would be able to return the favor thank you for the gift of this church we give you this offering and pray that more people would come to know um, what it's like to have people who have your back, and more importantly, what it's like to have the God of the universe rooting for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, they're going to pass those things along. Before I jump into the message today, um, we have a a couple big things happening. Uh, There is a community fun day outreach that is that is going to be a pretty massive deal and we need volunteers to be able to pull that off Um, it's just going to be something where we give free things away to the neighborhood and try to give people um, just a little taste of what the kingdom is like and so if you would like to volunteer in any way there's more information in the program about that but they are going to be having a an information meeting today after the service. That's going to be happening over in the loft, which is the first classroom uh, through the lobby. Uh, If you exit through the main lobby doors right across the hallway, they're going to be meeting in that room and just discussing uh, different ways that you can volunteer and brainstorming a couple ideas. We'd love to see you there if you're interested. Um, Another thing that we're really excited about right now is... Our, our connection to Big Creek Missions has reopened, and we're going to be able to take mission trips again. I know. Um, if you're not familiar with those, we have taken many, many trips to uh, a, an area called Bear Branch, Kentucky. Um, it's kind of in the Appalachian area. And it's only about three hours away from here, but we do short-term mission trips. There's going to be a men's mission trip coming up on September 8th through 11th. So it's just about three, three and a half days long. Um, It is pretty inexpensive to be able to do it. If you are a man and you've been wanting to do something more or something different, um, this is an excellent way to to just get connected with other guys from the church and also to be able to serve the kingdom uh, you don't have to have any special skills or anything uh, if you're a man you have the required tools you know what i'm saying more information in the program about that as well 
All right, so we're going to jump in. Uh, if, if you are newer around here, if we haven't met, my name's Ryan. Um, uh, thank you for being here. My family and I are going to be going on vacation soon, and so I will not see you for a couple weeks, but um, we, we have uh, even better people than me who are going to teach, so it's going to be good. Um, the thing that has been um, kind of on my brain lately is, you know, sometimes if you're, if you're going on, a lot of times if you're going on vacation, um, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes you're in that place where you're just like skidding in or you're, you're out of gas and it just, you're puttering along and you're like, you're about to die and you're just crawling to that, like, I just gotta, just one more week. Um, and I, I hate that kind of place. I've been trying to avoid being there, um, and I don't feel like I am, but the, the thing that has been rattling around in my brain um, has just been, what, is, what, it, what does it look like for me now to follow Jesus? What does it look like for me to follow Jesus and to keep following him? I've been following him for a while. Whoops. I, I followed too closely. I hit him. Uh, just over the years, how that feeling of following Jesus, um, it can change over time. And right now, especially, it's 2021, and a lot of things are crazy in the world. And so what does it look like to follow Jesus now um, in this day and age? Um, it feels different in a lot of ways to me, even from 10 years ago, where uh, maybe I was able to say certain things then that feel like they're, they're, not, they're not allowed anymore, or they're not as welcome anymore. Um, we used to do a lot of different types of outreaches that 20 years ago, they were super well-received, where people were like, oh, something free from the church? Really? This is the coolest thing? Uh, this is what churches should be doing? And just over the years, you'll see things kind of change, and you go up to give something away for free, and people are like, oh, get away from me. <laughs> Of course, the church is wasting money marketing campaign, this or that, blah, 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 kind of stuff. Anyways, what does it look like to follow Jesus now? And follow Jesus where? That's a, that's a question that's kind of important, right? So we're going to look at what Jesus has to say about it and just some, some situations that um, had to do with following him starting in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, this is a, a famous story about Jesus calling two of his, who would become super important disciples, to follow him. It says in Matthew chapter 4, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. This is always strange to me because I just know that I, 
no matter who it was, if Jesus came along and said, follow me, I'd have said, where are we going? Where? How should I dress? Kind of thing. Uh, but the interesting thing is um, the way that Jesus called them to follow him then is the same way that he still does it now. In the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the same as he was yesterday and today and will be forever, that he doesn't change, that he still invites all of us, present-day disciples, in the same way. He says, follow me. And the question that a lot of times we fail to ask is, but where is he going? Where is he going? Like, we'll say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus, but where, where is he going? This is relevant because sometimes, sometimes you need to make sure of certain things. I remember when I met my wife, Allison, for the first time. I uh, just met her as a friend at first, and then she became the love interest, and things started to, uh, to progress. And I just remember that, you know, kind of that decision to follow her, uh, things that I started to learn about her that, um, okay, well, this girl listens to Christian music. Um, I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't go to church. She goes to church every week. That seems like it's important to her. Like, she willingly listens to Christian music on her car radio. I get in, and I'm like, your, your mom wasn't with you or anything? Like, the... the it was, you wanted to do it. Okay. And so it's that, like, do I, so am I going to follow, am I going to follow this girl where she's going? Because she's heading somewhere in particular. And having to get on board with the destination, because she had a destination in mind that she was heading to. She was going to be following Jesus and she was going to be devoting her life to him. And I found out pretty quickly that it, was a, it, was a, it wasn't something I could talk her out of. It wasn't something that um, she was going to change her mind about. I remember we, we broke up for one day when we were dating, like half a day even, if it was that long. But I remember specifically it had to do with those things around, am, am I on board with her destination am i am i gonna follow her where she's heading because she she knows where she's going am i good with it or not and i thought for like two hours i wasn't and i realized i made a huge mistake i called like i'm sorry i'm an idiot i want to go where you're going in the book of luke Jesus uh, answers some things about this question with parables that he tells. He tells three parables that are all about the exact same thing. Uh, and this is a really weird thing for Jesus to do because every other place where he, he tells these parables, these stories that um, have like a double meaning type thing going on, he always tells one. It's always one parable. And he says, okay, so you guys get it, right? All right, you got it. 
but this time he tells three parables about the exact same thing. This is for like, um, normally it's just one parable, but West Siders, maybe we need two. Florida people need three. That kind of like, you guys aren't, one is not going to be enough for you. I'm going to hit this real hard and real slow and make sure you're, make sure you're tracking, right? And so he jumps into it. He says this in Luke chapter 15. Jesus says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, rejoice with me for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Then he goes on to say, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls for her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I remember this story hitting me for the first time when I was uh, in the very early stages of seeking Jesus and asking questions and, and not sure about what I believed. But one thing that I knew, even though I, I didn't know if Jesus was real, I knew that I felt lost. I knew that I felt like I was lost. And I remember reading this story for the first time that Jesus is the one who leaves, leaves the 99 behind, and he goes after the one, and just that I felt like I was the one, and that, uh, that he, he decided I was worth it, that he decided I was worth it, because I kept thinking I wasn't, I wasn't one of those 99 that was, that was right that was good, that was in the right place that it was supposed to be. And so God wasn't ever going to love me because I was in the wrong place. And then I read it that, no, he goes after the one who, who's in the wrong place every time. He doesn't hang around with the group who's in the right place. He goes on further, his third parable about the same thing. I'm not, not going to read this whole story but the story of the prodigal son where it's the same kind of scenario that there is someone who gets lost and so if you're familiar with the story there's a father who has two sons one son is back at home in the right place doing the right stuff being the good boy and his other son goes off, says in wild living, he gets his inheritance early, he blows it on prostitutes and partying, 
and is just completely, tragically lost. Finds himself in a hopeless place, um, figures it out that I need to get back to um, my home where people love me and where I'll have food to eat and all this stuff and uh, travels back towards home and it says the father was waiting with his arms wide open that from a long way off he could see his father which is just this thing that means the father the father goes looking the father is a, a father who looks he doesn't he doesn't sit down in the rocking chair and fold his arms and wait for somebody to come back um, begging for mercy. He's the dad who goes after his son who's lost. And so if we, if we analyze these, these parables, these three stories have some major things in common. Um, all three of the stories are about someone or something that is lost, that ends up in the wrong place. And then the story has someone in it who represents God. And then there's another uh, some things or some ones in the story who are in the right place. They're not lost. And so we have a shepherd in one story. This is the image of God. And we have one sheep who's lost. And we have 99 who, who, who are where they're supposed to be. The other story, we have a woman. She's the image of God in this story who has one coin that's lost, nine coins that are where they're supposed to be. The prodigal son, we have a father with one son who's lost and one son who's present. He's in the right place. He's, he's the found one. He's, he's there where he's supposed to be. And so what I wanted to talk about today is... Um, Where's the emphasis uh, from Jesus in these stories? Uh, is the emphasis on the stuff that's in the right place? Or is the emphasis on what's lost? The shepherd's main focus is on that which is lost. The woman's main focus is on that which is lost. The father's main focus is on that which is lost. Jesus' main focus is on that which is lost, always. And so, that's where Jesus is going. If you're wondering, what is it like to follow Jesus? Where is Jesus going? He's going to find the lost. That's where he's always going. He's always going to find the lost. If you're ever one, where is Jesus heading? Is Jesus doing a new thing? No, Jesus is always up to the same thing. He's out looking for the lost. And so that's where we'll end up if we're serious about following him. If we're serious about really following him, that's the place where we'll end up too. And still, so many times, a lot of us, we, we think that we're the center of the universe and that we're the, you know, it's, it, it's all about us. But Jesus is trying to show us again and again that it's not, about, it's not about those of you who have been found already. It's always about those who are lost. 
He's heading out to find the lost sheep or the lost coin or the lost son or daughter. And when he's on his way, when he goes out looking for those who are lost, he looks over his shoulder at us and he says, come and follow me. Come with, help me look. I need your help to bring back that which is lost. Not just at church on Sunday, but that we would seek and save that which is lost. And you have no idea what might happen when you start taking steps in that direction where you start following him to that place where it's, where are we going? Well, we're going to, we're going to find the lost. Anyone who's missing, anyone who's not where they need to be, that's where we're going to, to search. Um, the story that popped into my head this past week is from uh, a friend of mine named Todd who um, I met many years ago, uh, and I just loved his his story of how he became a believer. He would tell his story and that he was extremely lost. He was doing every kind of drug possible, uh, just crazy drinking that he was, he said he grew up in church for a while, but he, he left and just, he did not know Jesus in a personal way whatsoever. My friend Todd um, became friends with someone in college who uh, just caught this Jesus bug, and it, it, he said, you know, he didn't think a whole lot about it, but his friend started following Jesus, and that became the most important thing in his life, and uh, one day, his friend invited him to, he, he said he thought he was invited to a party, like that he was invited to, he was invited to some kind of get-together, and his number one interest, Todd, was interested in finding girls. He was told girls would be there. And so he said he got all cleaned up, and he ironed his shirt, and he was spraying on nine different colognes and getting himself ready. And he goes to this party, and he arrives, and they are singing worship songs. <laughs> and he finds out it's some kind of a, a, a young adult's, like small group meeting, prayer meeting thing, and he's like, oh no, and he was trapped. Any of you ever been trapped in one of those? I've been trapped where I thought I was going to something, ended up being something else. He said he was trapped, and they're singing songs, and then when the, the songs end, he's like, oh, oh, thank goodness we can leave, and they say, okay, now we're going to go around the room, and we're just going to, uh, any, whoever has prayer requests, and it's every single person. They're do, it's everyone. No, but they're not skipping anyone. Every, it's taking turns. It's coming around the circle to me. And he's like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, no. No. And he said he has no idea why, but when it came around to him, he was planning on not saying anything. But just before he could even think about it, he said, yeah, if we could just please pray for my grandma. Uh, my grandma has cancer and it's progressing and um, it, it just isn't it isn't looking good and I don't want to lose my grandma and that this group just they stopped and they said well let's just pray for her right now he had no idea how to pray 
and they just start praying. He closes his eyes with them, and the people in this group just prayed for his grandma that they've never met before, that she'd be healed, and uh, just, just all this nice stuff that he, he'd never experienced before, but, um, you know, it, it didn't seem like anything too crazy. Uh, he leaves that party, and um, he said that a, a couple days later, he heard from his mom that, um, that grandma had been in to see the doctor and that all the cancer was gone. That they don't know what happened. Like they, part, they were super excited about it, but they were partially upset because they thought that the doctor misdiagnosed her at first, and, but then they were sure of it. No, we saw three different doctors about this. She went through chemo at this point and all sorts of different things, but the, this cancer was completely gone. And uh, he said, when did she go to the doctor? And she said, just, just yesterday. He said, that's, a, that's the day after we prayed at that party. And so Todd ends up, it's pretty easy to talk people into Jesus when that kind of stuff happens. He says, how do I, where do I sign? I want this for the rest of my life. I want to follow this Jesus. And he is, he's brought out of this place of being the lost because his friend, who I don't even know his name, said, man, you, you should come to this, you should come to this, this thing we're having. You know, I have to admit, a lot of times, for those of us who have been following Jesus for any period of time, we only invite the people who also have followed Jesus for a period of time. Like, we only invite them. We don't invite the person who's a mess. Like, oh my gosh, I can't invite... I can't invite them. They're going to embarrass me. They're going to say this. They're going to they're going to tell people some of my stuff that I don't want them to know about because I follow Jesus now. Right? But just that man, they're they're the ones to invite. Anyways, back to it. In Matthew chapter 26. This is kind of interesting just about how we follow him if we follow him closely or not it says in Matthew 26 but Peter you know he he was called by Jesus to follow him and he said yes and so he's following Jesus but it says but Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard and he went in and he sat with the servants to see the end that he was, he was following him, but he was following at a distance. Um, I know that I've followed Jesus at a distance for a lot of my following him. And I've had the experience that comes from that where um, I'm not following him close enough to help rescue the lost. I'm not following him close enough to see him work miracles and do incredible things because I'm following at a distance and I'm trying to keep safe and I'm not wanting to give myself complete the longer the distance is in your following of Jesus the more 
your focus is going to be on yourself and not on the lost. If you have a distance between you and him, the more you're going to be wrapped up in you stuff. Like, oh, God, why doesn't God ever answer any of my prayers? Well, one thing would be maybe because all of your prayers are about you. If all of your prayers are about you, that's a recipe for not a lot of stuff happening. Because it means you're following him at a pretty decent distance. The closer that we get in our following of Jesus, the more our focus ends up shifting over to the lost and not on ourselves. And all of a sudden, all the stuff that we were worried about, all the stuff that we needed, ends up being taken care of. And we don't have to worry about it anyway. How do we follow Jesus now? Um, exactly the way that the disciples followed Jesus a couple thousand years ago, that when things seemed crazy, he just said, keep up, I'm, I'm going to find the lost. And so I could, really, I could really use your help. And he shows up in... He shows up in crazy places when you are that close to him. Places that don't seem like they would be good evangelism territories. Um, I don't really know how to segue into this. I want to tell you about the Titanic. Can we go there? So I didn't know where to try to to fit this story in that I've, I've read about several times and I'm just fascinated by. Uh, but the Titanic, um, everybody knows what the Titanic is, gigantic boat. Um, at the time, it was the largest boat that ever existed by quite a bit. Uh, it had a little over 2,200 passengers on it when it hit an iceberg and sank. Um, of those 2,200 passengers that were on the Titanic, 1,500 or so ended up dying. Um, and there were 705 survivors. Uh, the Titanic had lifeboats all around it, more than enough to save all 2,200 people. More than enough lifeboats for everyone to be saved. And it sank slow. It sank slowly. There was plenty of time for all of these lifeboats to get into the water, and almost every one of them did. But the lifeboats were designed to carry 70 to 75 people each. And of all of the lifeboats that saved people, they averaged between 12 and 30 people that they rescued, all of them. They took account of each and every person that was rescued and what boat they were on. Some boats came in carrying 12 people and it was a boat designed to carry 70. And it happened because it's this thing where so many people made that decision that, you know, all that really matters is that I'm saved. I don't really care about the other people who don't know yet. I'm jumping on the boat and one after another, somebody was able to convince the captain of these lifeboats that, hey, we're ready to go now. We need to be saved now. Um, we're not waiting for anybody else. 
as long as I'm saved, that's all that matters. And so some of them carried 12 people away. And all of these boats weren't that far from land. None of them came back to get more people, except one, one boat. One boat came back and took multiple trips. On the Titanic, though, there was a, a man named John Harper. Uh, John Harper is this guy right here. Um, he was, which is crazy because it says he was 39. He looks way older than that to me. But life was cruel back then. He was a 39-year-old evangelist who uh, would, would go around and he would hold revivals and he would he would usher in massive numbers of people to the kingdom of God, just convincing people to give their lives to Jesus. But he's on this boat with his daughter. I think we have a picture of those two together, don't we? So this is John Harper and his daughter, Annie. Annie was on the boat with him, just the two of them. She was six years old. Um, there are multiple accounts of this, and as I said, anyone who was on a lifeboat that was rescued, um, they, were, they were tallied, they were, they were recorded. Um, John took his daughter Annie at six years old, and he got her to one of the lifeboats, and he said, I would love to go with you, but I have to do whatever I can to save other people. And he said, and his daughter recounted later that he said, I'll see you soon, either in this life or the next. And he sent his daughter off. And so she is rescued. And John goes back in uh, as the ship is going down. And there were multiple accounts from multiple people later on about the different things that he did during that time that uh, he started by screaming, um, get to the lifeboats and banging on doors. And a lot of people, somehow they didn't realize that they're, they're going down, I guess. And people are still in their rooms and they're going door to door, banging on the doors, trying to get people out. You have to get to the lifeboats now. Uh, it, it wasn't moving fast enough. And so he started screaming, anyone who does not know Jesus needs to get to the lifeboats. Anyone who doesn't know Jesus needs to get to the lifeboats. Do you know Jesus? Yes, I do. Not you. Who doesn't know Jesus? You need to get to the lifeboats because he was to that point of thinking, if I, if I die, I, I know where I'm going. Like, if I die tonight, I know where I'm going. I know where my eternity is set for, my destination. I know where I'm heading. And so anybody else who's already a follower of Jesus, I know where they're heading. Anyone who doesn't know Jesus, get to the lifeboats. Eventually, it got to the point where the, the entire boat is going under, and this is where multiple multiple people ended up dying in the water hundreds died in the frigid water uh 
those who were able to climb onto some kind of debris from the ship, um, some of them were saved. There's an account of a man named William Mellers who said that he met John Harper in the water, that he didn't see him ever before. He, he met him also floating on debris. And that as he was floating past, John Harper said, do you know Jesus? And he's asking everybody in the water, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Uh, William Meller said that he wasn't in a place where he, was, he couldn't even understand his question at the time and just thought it was crazy talk. They were in the water for about an additional hour. They floated near each other again at some point, and John asked him again, do you know Jesus? He said, no, I do not. I, 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 don't, I don't know him. He said, you need to know him and accept him uh, because I don't know if, I don't know if we're going to survive this, but if you know him, uh, if you know him, you'll be saved um, and you'll, you'll be okay in the next life. William Meller said that John walked him through accepting Jesus in the water um, shortly after that, um, John Harper ended up succumbing to the icy depth, and he died. Uh, there was a survivors meeting a year after the sinking of the Titanic, where surviving passengers got together in um, just as a, a memorial together, and it was, it was at that meeting that William Mellers told his story about John Harper, and he started his testimony with this, saying, I was saved twice that night. And just walked through just the, the, the crazy efforts of a follower of Jesus. I was saved twice that night. So I, I just I just come back to um, what does it mean for those of us who are already following Jesus to actually do that? Um, it's not just going to church together like this. Um, this is kind of the place where we're supposed to, to catch a breath of, of fresh air um, because we're supposed to be out of breath, um, because we're supposed to have been doing work, because we're supposed to have been burning, um, you know, fuel that needs to be recharged. And what Jesus is expecting of us is that we would be following him to... Seek and save the lost. Um, my challenge for you today, my challenge for me as well, is to think about those people in our lives who are, who are lost. Um, nobody wants to be called that. 
hey, I was thinking about you the other day at my church. Um, you came up because you're a lost soul. But you know, you know people who are lost. Um, you can be a believer and be lost. You need to find your way again. Jesus ministered to all kinds of believers. But he was always going after the lost. He was always leaving the found behind. But he was always looking over his shoulder saying, come, follow me. You going with me? Come and follow me. My challenge for you would be to um, think about any of those people in your life who are lost. And... Uh, be okay with doing something a little bit crazy or banging on some doors or asking, do you know Jesus? Um, it, it's a, a time where it might seem like it's uh, politically incorrect. I say push harder because what it means is there's more lost people now than ever. And so, hey, I think you should come to my church with me. Hey, I was wondering if uh, you wanted to get together sometime and just talk. You can just get together and talk and, say, and let them go and try to steer it back towards Jesus. Because you don't have to do any of the stuff. You don't have to save anybody. You don't have to fix anybody. Um, you can leave Jesus up to Jesus and let God be God and do his thing. We're just trying to get people in the same room with him. Let's pray. Jesus, I love that you are the dad who uh, goes and finds the son who doesn't deserve it, the daughter who doesn't deserve it. I love that you're the shepherd that goes and finds the stupid sheep who gets lost, who can't stick with the group. I love that you're the one who returns the lost coin. That you don't just cut your losses and say, well, not nine out of ten is pretty good. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are, that that's how you operate, and that it's what you're calling us into. I just pray that you would uh, remind us and put it at the forefront of our mind about what it means to follow you, that it's not about uh, us following from a safe distance where we're all worried about our stuff and um, is what, what is your plan for my life? Um, I, we know the plan that you have for our life. It is to follow you, and where are you going? You are going to seek and save the lost. You've never changed, and you're not going to. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for finding us. Thank you for going out and searching. Help us to be bold and courageous, and to remember that this is a life or death, eternity situation.
and that if we really love those people, aren't they worth it? Help us to love people the way that you do. We want sheep to come home and kids to be back with dad. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Bless us, give us favor. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you. I thank you for having um, previously lost um, brothers and sisters who can be found together and that we can go out and find others. I will see you soon. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.